Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. So now as we get to part two, I want us to go back to Luke 18 as now we continue in part two. And I want us to go to verse 7. Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 18 and verse 7 now as we now transition from the review. And our sermons are on Facebook, our page, they're also, also on our YouTube page and also on our website. You can go back and check out part one. But now part two, we're in verse 7 and the Bible says, And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them or delay. Now the word cry out there we're going to see is very prominent. By God here saying that he understands that his people are crying out to him, is saying that he knows the kind of despair God's people are going through. He hears you, amen. That he hears us crying out to him, though he might, as he said, delay in his deliverance. Now, we're going to see from the Bible today that God will do either of two things. How many things? Two. How many things did I say at home? Two. As we put our trust and faith in God, what the Bible teaches us is, again, that God will either do two things. Listen. He will either rescue or deliver you miraculously, or He will give you the strength and courage to go through your situation. As we put our trust and faith in God, we're going to see that God will either do two things. He will either rescue you miraculously, or He'll give you the strength and courage to go through your current situation. Let me share some examples with you. There are many Bible stories where God intervened miraculously, both in the Old and New Testament. I think of the book of Exodus when God's people had just left Egypt and they were being pursued by the Pharaoh and the armies. And the Bible says that God's people were there facing the Red Sea and the armies were coming behind them. And Moses implored to his people to trust in God in that situation. And what did God do? He rescued them miraculously by opening up the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. Amen. I think of the story found in Daniel chapter 3, when three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, put their complete trust in God and did not bow down to the image when the music was playing, and they stood firm for God, and they said there to the king Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3, oh king, it doesn't matter what you're going to do, we're going to stand for God, and God will either deliver us or he won't be, or not at the moment, but we're going to trust in our God. And the Bible says that God miraculously delivered them in the fire, hallelujah. I think of 1 Kings and the widow woman of Zarephath. During the drought, she had no more food. Her food had completely run out. And she, and the Bible said that she was going to make her last food, her last piece of bread for her son and herself, and then probably going to die of hunger. And God's prophet Elijah showed up, and then she began to put her trust in Elijah when he said, give me 
go and make for, for me your last piece of food. And she says, okay, fine, I'm going to trust in you because you're God's prophet. And the Bible says that God uh, um, uh, miraculously intervened and she never ran out of oil and made plenty of bread. Can you say amen? Many parts, many examples in the Bible where God delivered his people miraculously. Here's something I want to share with you. I have seen moments in my life where God has delivered me or come through miraculously. Where things happen in your life where you say that had to be God intervening. It's a miracle. In the New Testament, Countless stories of miracles, lepers being healed, lame people walking, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and touched the garment of Jesus found in Luke chapter 8, and God just healed her miraculously. Peter, in Acts chapter 12, he was uh, miraculously uh, rescued from prison there all throughout the Bible, all throughout my life. God has delivered miraculously. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Also, there are many stories in the Bible where God does not deliver or rescue miraculously. But guess what he does? He gives the people the strength and courage to go through what they're going through. Let me share with you some of those examples. I think of Job, who had lost everything. He lost all his money. He lost his children. He lost even his health. And he didn't just wake up one day and everything was back. No, he suffered. But the Bible then says, look at this, that Job says in the book of Job 13 verse 15, though he slay me, I will trust in him. And the Bible says that as Job was pleading with God and crying out to God, wondering what was happening, God gave him the strength to go through that moment, and eventually everything was restored. Amen. I think of David running from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And if you don't believe that God did not give David strength and courage to go through those moments in his life when David was trying to kill him, just read the book of Psalms. Psalm after psalm, David praises God for strengthening him. Oh, Lord, strengthen me, help me, use me. And here we see that as David was fleeing for his life, God didn't just deliver him miraculously, but God gave him the strength to go through and was always with him as he went through that journey. Amen. I think of this example of John the Baptist, who Christ said was the greatest prophet what happened to John the Baptist? He was thrown into prison by standing firm for God's law and rebuking the king for taking his brother's wife, which was unlawful. And the Bible says he was thrown into prison. Was John rescued miraculously in the prison? There came a moment in John's life where he wavered but then he was assured by who Christ was, and the Bible says that eventually he was beheaded. But in that prison, God gave him the strength and courage to go through his situation. God will do either two things. What two things? He will either rescue miraculously, or he'll give you the strength and courage to go through what you need to go through. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
And guess what? I've seen in my life, in moments where God has not rescued me miraculously, but gave me the strength to go through what I had to go through. I've witnessed both of them. And you might as well, might have as well. You see, as we put our trust in God, we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And know you're going to do either two things for me. You're either going to rescue me miraculously, as I see here in the Bible, with many counts and many stories, or I know that you're going to give me the strength and courage to get through what I have to go through, but I'm going to trust in you. Amen. You see, one of the biggest parallels of all this is the life of Jesus. Now, go back to Luke chapter 18, verse 7, and I'm going to connect with you what we said here with what Jesus went, with what Jesus went through. In Luke 18, verse 7 again it says, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? The words cry out there, listen carefully. The words cry out there in the Greek is the same words, expression used by Jesus on the cross. Look at this verse here on the screen. Look at this. In Matthew 27, verse 46, the Bible says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus, what's the two words? Yeah, cried out. And in the Greek, that is the exact, exact, exact expression, the exact words found in Luke 18, verse 7. In other words, Christ, God, has, has gone through what God's people are going through today as he cried out to God. They're in despair. And said with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, the reality is, is that in Jesus' most trying hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see here that in Jesus' most uncertain time in the Garden, Jesus says some words in his prayer that show us that he had put his complete trust in the Father. Go to Matthew 26. Take a look. In Matthew chapter 26, here in, the, in Christ's most uncertain times, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he gives us something here that shows us that he had put his complete trust in the Father. Now, the, God will either do two things. What are the two things? Either rescue you miraculously or give you the strength and courage to go through what you're going, going through. Now, we're in Matthew chapter 26, and let's see what God the Father here chose to do in regards to Christ's most trying hour in Matthew chapter 26. But there's some words here in the prayer of Jesus that shows us that he had put his complete trust in the Father. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Look what the Bible tells us. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Now look. Again, Christ's most uncertain time in his life right here. And when Jesus came with them to, play, to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And when he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch with me. Here is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. 
You see, the wages of sin and the sins of the world did not get laid on the shoulders of Jesus only at the cross. It began before then, right here. He began to feel the weight of the sins of the world, and he was so sorrowful, the Bible says, that it, Luke says that he begins to sweat drops of blood here. Christ, we're going to see, is wanting to be delivered from this situation. Let's see what he says. Look at this. We're now in verse, what verse are we on? Yes, 38, and he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch with me. Now verse 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and praying said, here we go, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And now look at the words of Jesus that show us that he has put his complete trust in the Father. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray lest enter, you enter the temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me uh, unless I drink it, what does he say again? Your will be done. And he came and found them sleep again, and for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. What are the words there that God, Jesus here, relying completely on the Father, God will do either two things, save you miraculously or give you the strength and power to get, go through what you're going to go through. And here is God submitting himself to the Father. He says, Lord, I don't want to pass through this. Take this cup from me, Lord. But you know what? I don't want to do what I want to do. I want your will to be done. Now, here's the thing. If you go, look at this, to Luke's account, look what the Father does. Go to the book of Luke and go to verse 22, uh, chapter 22, and look at verse 42. Now, God will do either two things. What are the two things? Rescue you miraculously or give you the strength and curse to go through what you need to go through. And in Luke chapter 22, look at this. Though Jesus was looking for a miraculous deliverance, Lord, take this from me. Take this from me. Uh, is there any other way, Lord? I, I don't know, but your will be done. And God can do two things again. He could have rescued him miraculously, but God says, no, I can't do this. And in Luke chapter 22, look at verse 42. Luke 22, look at verse 42. That rhymed, by the way. Luke 22, verse 42, look at this. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 40, what did I say? Two, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Look. Lord, I, I want to be rescued here miraculously. And God says, no, I, I can't. That, that's not part of my will here. But here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to strengthen you to go through it. And that's what he did with Jesus. Though Christ was looking for a miracle of deliverance, God says, I can't. I can't. 
I cannot deliver you miraculously here. You're going to have to trust me. But I'm going to strengthen you to go through it. In Christ Object Lessons, look at this amazing quote. We surrender our lives to his service. We can never be placed in a position for which God has not made provision. Do you believe that? Surrender our lives to his service. We can never be placed in a position where God, which God has not made provision. Whatever may be our situation, we have a God to direct our way. Whatever our perplexities, we have a sure counselor. Whatever our sorrow, bereavement, or loneliness, we have a sympathizing friend. If in our ignorance we make, we make missteps, Christ never leaves us. What a promise. Again, faith will not always take you out of your troubles. Faith is having confidence in God in your troubles and during uncertainties. Look what Jesus says here in John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace, not in the world, in me, Jesus said. People try to find peace in every place. They try to find peace in getting more money. More money will not give you peace. I'm not rich, but I can tell you that more money is not going to give you more peace. More money and more things might bring more problems. People try to find peace and even drugs and many other things. But only true peace can be found in Jesus. He continues to say, in the world you will have tribulation. There you go. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Trust me. It'll be all right. I'm going to make things all right. Just hang in there. Don't stop praying. Trust in me. I'm going to do either two things. I'm going to either save you miraculously or I'm going to give you the strength to go through what you need to go through. But I tell you to trust me. Trust me, God says, you're going to make it. We have to rely on God's will. Can you say amen? We have to rely to say, Lord, I might not understand this situation at the moment. I might not even get what's happening here. But Lord, I need to trust in you and not my will, but your will, because I know that if I trust in you, you're going to make things right. Either you're going to save me miraculously, or you're going to help me get through what I have to do. But here's the thing, eventually, it's a matter of when God will deliver you eventually when he returns. You see, the ultimate deliverance will happen. It's just a matter of when. Just trust in God in the meantime. My friends, did you know that there's many times in life where we just don't know what's happening? But when will God's people begin to learn to trust in God? Because Jesus has the question, when I return, will I have a people who truly trust in me? 
I want to begin to end with this then. Well, then how do we build faith? How do we build faith then? How do we begin to build our faith? Well, here in the book, God's Amazing Grace, take a look at this. In the book, God's Amazing Grace, page 207, we're told this. True faith, okay, not false faith, not this counterfeit faith, but true faith. True faith rests on the promises contained where? In the Word of God, and those only who obey that Word can claim its glorious promises. So where is true faith found? It's found here in the Word of God, in the promises that He gives us, okay? Yeah. You see, did you even know that in the modeled prayer of Matthew chapter 6, when God and Jesus says this, in this manner you ought to pray, our Father which art where? In heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God here is appealing to us that as we pray to God, we show him that we trust him by saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. And then what we begin to do is we have to begin to learn to trust in the word of God and the promises he gives us here. Because we're about to see as we begin to close today, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted and was in a very uncertain and trying time in his life, what did he use to continue to put his trust in the Father? The Word of God. We'll look at that in a minute. She also says in the book, Faith and Works, page 78, Now, brethren, you have, to, we, you have educated yourself so much in doubts and questionings that you have to educate your souls in the line of faith. That is so true. We have come such a custom. We have educated ourselves to doubt God and to doubt God that we haven't learned to trust in Him and to put our situation in His will and not mine. And we have to re-educate ourselves. Might not happen overnight. Might not happen in a week or two. But slowly and surely as we begin to learn to trust in God and to use the Word of God for in our lives that as we begin to say, Lord, I feel this and I feel this and that, and I can't see anything, but I'm going to take out the Word of God, and I'm going to use these verses here wherever God might lead you and claim these promises in my life because I know that you are for me and not against me. She then says, you have to talk faith, you have to live faith, you have to act faith that you may have an increase what? In faith. So let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 4 here in our last part here. As Christ was in the wilderness, Satan appeared to him in his most trying hour. And how did Jesus, how did Jesus, how did Jesus respond? We're in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And let's begin reading in verse 1 here quickly. We're not going to go through all of it, but look at this. Then Jesus was laid up led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he, Jesus, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, I'm sure. Now when the tempter came, who's the tempter? It's funny how Satan comes sometimes at our weakest hour. Do you guys know that? 
You might have a situation where you lose a loved one in, in the family, and in your lowest hour, here comes the enemy knocking at the door. At Christ's lowest hour, Satan appears to him 40 days, 40 nights, no food. I, I've been there to the, to, the, to the Jordanian wilderness, and it's uh, nothing but um, mountains and, uh, and dirt, and I'm sure he probably had a few dirt marks. I mean, just completely just spent and dirty and exhausted, and here comes the enemy. Now we keep reading. Verse 2. Now when the tempter had came, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now here's the question. Why would Satan say, if you are the Son of God? What had Jesus just heard at his baptism? Go to Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse 17. What had Jesus just heard in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17? The Bible says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. So Christ had just heard from the Father that you are my Son. Yes or no? Yes. Now he's in the wilderness, and here comes Satan to say, Oh, you know, if you are the Son of God, he's tempting Jesus, look at this, to what? to doubt the very word of God that he just heard. Are you understanding this? Now we keep going. Back in chapter 4, verse 3. Now when the tempter had come, he said, Oh, if, if you are the Son of God, if that's true what you heard, command that these stones be, become bread. And verse 4, And Jesus answered and said, You know, I feel hungry, and I haven't eaten in a long time. And, you know, I might as well walk by my feelings and how I'm feeling this right this moment. Let me turn that into bread. Is that what happens here? No. He uses the Word of God to bypass what his situational feelings might be to trust in what God's Word has to say. And he says, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of who? Of God. Amen. Then the devil took him up on the holy, uh, into the holy city and set him on the ming, uh, pinnacle of the temple. And now Satan gets even more trickier because now he quotes scripture to Jesus. Look at verse 6. And said to him, and the devil said to him, and now he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now the devil begins to quote scripture back. <laughs> I mean, don't play with the enemy because the enemy will use scripture, let me tell you, even to manipulate scripture and even misquote scripture because he's about to misquote the scriptures. Look at this carefully. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, if you're a good Bible student, you're going to know that Satan is quoting directly from Psalm 91, but Satan leaves out a verse or a section of that. Go to Psalm 91. Let's see what part Satan leaves out. Go to Psalm 91. Don't lose Matthew 4. Go ahead and put something there. But Satan is quoting from Psalm 91, but Satan, tricky, tricky, leaves out a little portion of Psalm 91. He's quoting here in Psalm 91. Okay, you can say amen when you get there. 
and look at verses 11 and 12. And you tell me if these verses sound familiar. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Did you get that? Now, if you have your Bibles and you go, don't lose Matt, uh, Psalm 91. We're going to do one of, what, one of these things, okay? Now, if you have a digital Bible, you can't do one of these, right? You're going to want to get one that you open up. Amen. All right, nothing wrong with that, but you can't do one of these with a digital Bible. Anyway, but we're in, back in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to read again verse 6. It says, And Satan said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now, he's quoting Psalm 91 verse 11. He shall give his angels charge over you, and... In their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, good Bible students, what did he leave out? Well, if you go back to Psalm 91, he leaves this out. Satan misquotes the Bible here purposely. And again in Psalm 91, verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over you, and this is what Satan leaves out, to keep you in all your ways. He leaves that out. What he had done here is he had took Jesus up, 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 up on this temple uh, pinnacle, and he says, well, the Bible says that if you throw yourself off the temple here, that his angels are going to come and rescue you. But he left out the part here where it says that God will keep you, here in verse 11, he will keep you in all your ways. In other words, uh, in, in the ways that God ha has, has decided and in regards to God's will for you and God's will for Jesus was not to throw himself off the pinnacle to pres presumptuously test God here. That was not God's plan for Jesus. It was for him to go and suffer and die. So this was complete presumption here to go against the very will of God and what God had needed Jesus to do and he was testing Jesus, and he misses, quotes that little part there from the Bible purposely. Did you know today that people, or Satan uses people to misquote the Bible, to lead people astray from what it's really saying? Do you know that happens today? Did you know that some people take one verse of the Bible, and then they put what they think it's saying in there, and they, they don't even keep the context in, 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 in what it's saying. They just take one verse, and they think that's what it's saying, and they watch Hollywood movies, and they think that's what it's saying, and they read novels, and they think that's what it's saying, but they take it out of context, and it leads you wherever you want to go. You can take verses out of context. You can take uh, many things of the Bible if you begin to manipulate it, but you have to put precept upon precept and line upon line. Amen. You have to put the context in its proper sphere here. And here's the thing. Satan misquotes the Bible on purpose to lead Jesus astray. But Jesus knew the Bible so well that he knew that Satan was misquoting it. But yet, most of God's people are not spending the time they need to in the Word of God. And I know that's true because I visit many homes. And I appeal to God's people that we are too far in the game to leave that Bible closed. Amen. We are too far in the game not to begin to study the Word of God, to know the Bible very well. 
You see, friends, let me leave you with these promises. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, what's the first word here? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Not my will, God. Not what I think. I'm going to trust in you and your will. Because God will do two things. What are the two things? Either miraculously or give you the strength to go through what you have to go through. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Look at this promise. In Jeremiah 29, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God has a future and a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. Did you know, you might not want to hear this, but it's true, did you know that sometimes in your most dying hours is when God uses you the most to be a witness to somebody else? Did you guys know that? I, I, I have seen people that had had cancer. And if it wasn't for that situation, how be, though it might be extremely terrible, they connected with somebody else who had that same type of cancer. I, I have seen families who have lost loved ones and even children meet other families who have been in the same situation and because of what happened, they are able to connect with that family and be a witness and a hope and a blessing to them. I've seen it. Sometimes these difficult situations, God needs to use to save somebody else's um, life for eternity, can you say amen, by using you. And as we put our trust in God and say, Lord, I, I don't know, but I have to trust you in this, I don't know. But maybe this situation will be used to help somebody come to Jesus. And I have to trust you in this. This is where God's people have to be. Oh, friends, may we use God's word and say, Lord, I might not understand this, but I know you have a future for me. I know that at the moment I might not see it, but I know that God has promised me in the word of God that he has a future for me. And I'm going to rely on this word to know it will come to fruition in regards to his will, not mine. Amen. Lord, I might not know what's happening, but the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge you. I will, and you shall direct my path. I'm going to use God's word to make it personal. Though I might not know and see, I'm going to trust in Proverbs chapter 3 that you will direct me. Amen. Using God's word to help build your faith and walk. One more here. Isaiah 49, verse 15. There's so many. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Did you know that this is unfa unfathomable, but it's true. I have seen mothers forget their own children. That's happened. But God says, though the unthinkable might happen, that a own mother might turn her back on her son or children, guess what? I will never do this. So I end with this. When Jesus said when he returns, will he truly find a people who put their trust in him? Guess what the answer is? 
It's yes. It's found right here in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. There's the answer. God will have a people who put their complete trust in him even during the world's most uncertain times in earth's history. And they begin to show the world that they have the faith of Jesus. As Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane again, in his most uncertain hour, he says, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will. And God would have done either two things, miraculously or give him the strength, but God put his trust in the Father, and God says, I, I can't rescue you miraculously, you, you here, but I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to send an angel to strengthen you, and God did this. And God in the last days has a people on earth who say, Lord, I don't know, but I just I know that I'm going to put my full trust in God no matter what I see, what I'm experiencing. My trust is in him. I've learned to use the Bible to help me to trust in you and build my faith. And the Bible says that God's people, out of complete love and adoration and loyalty to God, keep his commandments, all ten of them, because they love Jesus and they show that they have the faith of Jesus. So the answer is yes. My question for us is, do you want to be part of that group? Do you want to be part of that group? Do you want to be part of that group? So my friends, what is faith? Faith is saying to the Lord, Lord, not my will, but thy will. Faith is trusting in what God will do. Faith is saying to Jesus, Lord, I'm going to stand on what the promise of God says. Know that you're with me and know that you're going to help me get through it. So my friends, again, I pray that you can begin and I can begin to learn to educate ourselves to put our trust in Jesus. To trust in him in your darkest hours. And to never stop praying. To never give up. And to know that God will eventually make all things right. Either the here and now or when he returns, he will make it right. Let's learn to use the Bible to trust in God. Pick out Bible verses. Study the Bible. Go to the book of Psalms. Take verses here that you can use to boost your confidence in God and in your life. And may God bless you. So my appeal to us today is this. That you will begin to say, Lord, not my will, but your will. That you'll begin to say those things in your prayers to show God that you've put your trust in him. Lord, I don't know, but not my will, but your will. That you're going to begin to say, Lord, I, I want to begin to study the Bible and use the Bible. And by God's grace, we're going to begin to learn how to do those things here as time goes by. But to learn to use Scripture as Jesus used it to build his faith in the Father. So who here today wants to say, Lord, 
Again, I want to put my trust in Jesus and not what I can see. In your will and not my will. Anybody here today, anybody at home wants to put their, say, Lord, today I want to put my trust in Jesus. Hang in there, don't ever give up. God bless you. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.